Lord, we thank you for Gary. We thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, he's sensitive to your spirit and to your ways and to your word. And so, Lord, we know that you will speak to him today. So, Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and minds to understand, hearts to follow what you've uh, going to say to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for Gary. We thank you for his life surrendered to you so that you may be able to use him um, to extend your kingdom. And so we expect that in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen. Pressure's on again. Thank you. Hey, there's been a few sermons this morning already anyway, haven't there? Hey? And let's be honest. When uh, Gabby talked about all the small things after Judith talked about it, and then Marty mentioned it, what was I thinking? All the small things. Okay. Yeah, you've got a reputation to uphold, haven't I? Eh? Right, now, there's a little bit of a subliminal message over there. It's not that sublime, actually. It's not that subtle. Yeah, yeah, salt and light. Um, anyway, look, uh, last week, Andrew was speaking, and he gave us a great message. No, no, it wasn't. Melissa, that's right. Yeah, but the week before was great, too. But I just wanted to build on what they brought to the, to the group uh, in the last two weeks. And that's about being God's people in God's country. I mean, if you're a real Australian, you really believe this is the best place in the world, don't you? It is the best place. It's got its rubbish and whatever, but it's still the best place on the whole planet, I think. Anyway, look, let me read to you from Matthew chapter 5. Um, here we go. Now, what happened was Jesus went up on the hill out in the bush, took his apprentices with him, and sat down and started to teach them. And this is the message version of what he said. He said, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt, ta-da, seasoning, that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, Ta-da. bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this on as publicly as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. There's another song there, but I can't sing that one. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. <clears throat> Hallelujah. That was Matthew chapter 5. Read it for yourselves when you get home. Now, just a couple of days ago was Armistice Day. They're watching people fighting. Armistice Day. Two days ago reminded us, hopefully, what a great country we have. And also the price that was paid by so many families or family and friends for the freedom that we enjoy. That's a fair comment, isn't it? We, if we forget that, we forget our heritage and we forget a lot of the cost of being this great country. We have freedom now to either act like selfish idiots or be part of making Oz a better place. Can you put that thing up first, uh, Thanks, mate. About 20 years ago, these blokes, Trey, Mark and uh, Billy Joe, 
another band? I'm showing my age. Yeah, 20 years ago, I know, I know. Green Day. They, they brought out what was uh, arguably their best album ever. It was called American Idiot. I don't want to be an American idiot. Now, it was a statement about um, allowing the media to just mould how we think and to impact our culture, not necessarily in a positive way. That's what American Idiot's all, all about. That's enough for Green Day for now. Thanks, Justin. Put the other one up now. It'd be much better. So do we want to be idiots or do we want to make this country even better than what it was? Um, I sat up last night and watched the Western Sydney Wanderers defeat Sydney FC. Did anyone else see the game? Mm, no, Nate didn't even watch it. The silence is deafening. But it was, it was interesting, though, at the end of the game that the head coach, Marco Rudan, uh, gave a very inspiring few words about after their win last night. He's, he was talking about the spirit of the West and the many immigrants that it represents and their aspirations for freedom. It was quite powerful stuff. I thought, oh, I wish I'd had a recorder recording this. I even tried the 10 Now app. Nah, nobody caught it, but it was a very powerful message about what it means to live in the Western suburbs and to have a sense of pride about who they are as a people. Anyway, how can we do our part in being contributors to a better future for this place we call Australia or Oz? One of the things that Jesus said in that message from Matthew 5 is that uh, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, here's a couple of things about salt. First of all, it's people now would say, oh, too much salt's no good for you. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Rockhampton, it was so hot up there, we used to be able to go to the chemist and get salt tablets and just pop a salt tablet because you sweated so much, you had to replace all the salt in your body. You've got to have salt in your body, not too much, but just you're supposed to do that. In fact, Google will tell you it flavours food and is used as a binder and a stabiliser. It's also a f food preservative as bacteria can't thrive in the presence of high amounts of salt. The human body requires a small amount of sodium to conduct nerve impulses, contract and relax muscles and maintain the proper balance of water and minerals. There you go. Who said you don't learn anything when you come to church? <laughs> and if you think I'm lying, you Google it too. What is salt good for? <clears throat> Actually, Marty's story about Joseph, I thought, was interesting this morning too. He threw that story in. Um, now, you remember that Joseph was sold into slavery, but he ended up in a high position with a lot of authority in the land of Egypt. You remember the story? This is, you know, the Technicolor Dreamcoat guy sold into slavery. And his quiet influence as a God-honoring person was to change the culture in Egypt and have a lot of authority. Telling them because of the dream he had, you know, seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, there's going to be a famine coming, you better stock up. So they did. So that was Joseph being salt in the nation of Israel, uh, Israel, the nation of Egypt. The same thing happened when the God's people were in exile in Babylon. You remember the story of Daniel, you know, lion man and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They stood strong and stuck to their guns and their principles and their diet and everything that they'd learnt as Israelites, as Jewish people, 
and they became people of influence also in that foreign culture in Babylon. This is how being salt works, friends. Point two, that was point one. Okay, did you get all that? Salt, it's good stuff. In Some of you aren't convinced, are you? You've probably been told by a doctor, look, knock off the salt. But then, Doc, I was in church and this bloke said salt's good. He used to eat salt tablets and they'd be going, oh, that's not good. Here's the second point. Now, this is about the light. Second, second big word there, light. The benefits of light, I would think, are self-explanatory. If you've ever stumbled around at night without turning a light on, either to empty your bladder or to see why one of the kids is crying, right? Or maybe write that letter that you need to write, whatever. What sort of things have gotten you up at night? And you had to stumble around in the dark. Come on, just throw in another story. I told you about the bladder thing. <laughs> All right. You see, what's just just have a look around. Yeah. All sorts of things you get up. One of the other things that you can learn, again, that your little toe's sole purpose in, in life seems to be to make sure that the furniture is in the right place. <laughs> Bang. Oh, yeah, yep, that's the leg of the bed. It's in the right place. I'm getting better at that, aren't I? Yeah, I used to do it more often. So the furniture might be out of place and I wouldn't know. <laughs> Friends, wherever there is darkness, light is needed to reveal reality. Things as they really are. It reveals truth. Um, here's another little illustration from our family history. Um, Many moons ago, uh, we had a Christmas holiday in Coolangatta with Judith's family. So there was Judith, her three siblings, her mum and dad, and me. And that was all that was there, wasn't it? And we're in this joint just across from the beach in Coolangatta. No air conditioning, stinking hot, very hot. All the windows are open, right? Anyone could have got in because it was a low house. Anyway, one person gets up probably for the bladder thing, and walking through the house, and suddenly there's another person there, and ah! So they're running around in circles saying, there's someone in, someone got in through the window. Ah, no, there's someone in the house. They turned the light on. It was just two members of the family <laughs> up at the same time. See, this is the power of light. It can show you things that could have been scary and turn out to be just normal Light is so important and it is critical that we bring the light that we have been given by our faith in Jesus into the darkness and the darkest corners of the culture we have in this, in this lovely country. There's another dimension to being a light bringer too. Uh, have you ever felt like telling someone to lighten up? It happens, doesn't it? You know, oh, can I lighten up? You don't want to say it, but sometimes you do. And, uh, you know, my, um, I was sitting out in the surf yesterday paddling around trying to chase a wave. But my higher purpose when I'm out in the surf is not just to get as much as I can. It's to bring a little bit of lightness, a little bit of the woohoo factor back because people can get so serious about surfing. Can you believe that? So it's supposed to be a fun thing to do. So I try to lift the woohoo factor while I'm out there, getting people to lighten up a little, just con 
you know, random conversation, find out where they're from, whatever. Lightness, it's a good thing. So we are called to be the salt of the earth and also the light of the world, be light bringers. And by our very attitude, our actions, and the way we do life, people can be influenced and you'll find yourself living a questionable life. Now, don't move yet. Going to come back to that. A life that requires people to say, why on earth you live like you do? Why aren't you just like everyone else? The opportunity raises itself. Here's the third point. In all of our saltiness and light bringing, please don't get distracted even by things that might be considered good. Now, on the 6th of November, I wrote down here, so it must have been your sermon. Maybe I got it. It doesn't matter. Andrew said this. Did you not say, Jesus never built a church? You would have said that. You, he's claiming that one, right? So whenever it was, I don't care when it was, he said, Jesus never built a church building. Now, Jesus, who is, who's that? Who's that? I've shot myself in the foot, haven't I? I've found another little bit of furniture with my little toe. A certain Humphreys person said, Jesus never built a church building. Because he didn't want to be distracted. Now, Jesus was a chippy, right? He'd grown up as the carpenter's son. He was probably a very good carpenter. He could have said, you know what? I could build some really cool temples or churches or whatever we're going to call these things. But no, Jesus' purpose was much, much higher than just being a good tradie. He was there to bring the light of God into the darkness of a nation and a whole world that needed redemption from the sin that we are born with. So he wasn't distracted by what he could have done. He wasn't a tradie. He was being a transformer of people's hearts. Uh, now, I might have used this illustration before, but if you remember, that's okay. Just pretend this is the first time you've heard it. Years ago, when Wayne Bennett was the coach of the Bronx, and Wendell Saylor was playing on the Bronx team, right? Anyone heard it? Uh, Damien remembered. Put that hand down. So Wendell Saylor is running all over the field and getting nowhere fast. So Coach Wayne calls him off and he says on the sideline, Wendell, run straight. So off he goes. In other words, Wendell Saylor was all over the shop like a dog's breakfast when what the coach wanted him to do was just run straight. The line is up there. It's not there. It's not there. Don't be distracted. Don't be put off. Run straight. What's our primary purpose? What's your primary purpose in life? Maybe it's still unfolding. Maybe you've lost track of it. Maybe you had a purpose and you got disillusioned or sidetracked. Well, I want to tell you that the plan, as Judith mentioned before, the plan that God has for your life is for good. 
and not for evil. It's to make you a blessed person so you can bless others. The Salvation Army, we used to say this, and I still say it personally, we're here to save souls, grow saints, and serve suffering humanity. The three of them go together. That is our mandate. Our theme is always Jesus. Our motivation is always the cross. And our message is always about redemption, correct? Anybody else from the Salvation Army with me on this? The theme is always Jesus. Our motivation is always the cross. And our message is always about redemption. So here's a question for you, a little bit more personal. What do you think it is that might be distracting you? Is it unhelpful relationships? Self-indulgence? Boredom? Fear of ridicule? You can make quite a list of things that can distract us from being the people that God wanted us to be. Here's some scripture from Hebrews 12. The writer says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. Amen? Man, sorry for keeping you guys out of bed, eh? Amen. Amen. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thanks for the song, Nate. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith... Go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he ploughed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Here's my final point for you to get a hold of, be challenged by. Hebrews 13. So let's go outside where Jesus is where the action is, not trying to be privileged insiders, but taking our share in the abuse of Jesus. The insider world is not our home. We don't belong in here. Our primary location is outside. We have our eyes peeled for the city about to come. Let's take our place outside with Jesus. Thanks. Could we have the board turned around? Thanks. I mentioned this back in May, I think. So I thought I'd throw it in here again because this is kind of like a recipe for being light and for being salt. And you'll notice that I almost encourage everyone to eat people. (laughs) Cannibal Lecter would have loved that one. Or Hannibal Lecter, sorry. Yeah, remember this, Bell's. The five habits of highly missional people. And it's not complicated. The first one is about blessing others. Whatever it takes with whatever you have, 
be always be ready to bless other people who might not, might not necessarily agree with your faith or the way you live, but be a blesser. You are being blessed, so bless others. Secondly, eat with people. Take the time to invite someone who doesn't share your point of view, that's what the POV is, or your faith and eat with them because meaningful conversation happens over meals. More meaningful conversation happens over meals. Learning Jesus. Don't give up, as that scripture said before, don't give up learning about Jesus. Study how he did life, what his attitude was to people, what his actions reveal about his nature and his love for all people. And his primary place of location, the places he loved to go, was where the religious people would say, well, I wouldn't maybe go there. That's where Jesus was found. Learn Jesus' nature. Keep learning about what Jesus is like, how he carried himself, how he spoke, and how he helped people. Listening for the prompting of his spirit is a critical thing because when you're out on a limb, when you're out in this no man's land, in places where maybe you feel a little bit awkward or out of place, it's critical to be tuned in to listen to what the spirit of Jesus is saying to you. Do this, do that, don't go there, go there. Listening. And the final one, the S, is about, remember this, we are a sent people. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I am sending you. Not to have a happy club, but to get out there, being sent into this world that needs the salt and needs the light that the faith in Jesus we have can bring. Now, friends, if you're sitting here and you don't have a personal faith in Jesus... Maybe you're just hoping you'll get there. When we get to that point where we breathe our last, how confident are we where we'll spend the rest of eternity? Or do we think eternity doesn't exist? That's just it. It's all over Red Rover. Boom, nothing more. I beg to differ. I read the scriptures which tell me that we are basically not human beings having a spiritual experience but we are spiritual beings having a human experience we live for eternity where is up to the choice we make about jesus here and now and god will honor our choice he will honor this choice those who acknowledge christ as his savior will arise to celebrate the greatest family reunion of all times you have that other slide thanks Back in about 76, Bob Dylan came out with an album called Slow Train Coming. Before he wrote the lyrics for these songs on this album, he consulted a pastor of a church and he said, look, I don't want to get theology wrong. So he ran the lyrics of all these songs from the Slow Train Coming album, which also featured Mark Knopfler on guitar, to make sure that he was being faithful to the tenor of scripture. And the last song says, when he returns, he says, the strongest wall will crumble and fall to a mighty God. 
like a thief in the night. He'll replace wrong with right when he returns. So friends, the question of a life thing, how questionable is your life to those around you? Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote it this way, and he lived a long, long time ago. He said, we may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in his word, he intended to be conspicuous in our lives. You get that? Whatever God has made prominent in his word, he intended to be conspicuous in our lives. So until Christ returns, friends, we proclaim him as our only hope of redemption and significant purpose. So let's live our life accordingly, question my lives, being salt and bringing light. Can we have that last slide up there for a second, please? Shana. No one. That's our home. It's not a physical place. The kingdom of God. We declare this and we do all we can to proclaim and express what that means to have Jesus as king. As we sing this song, I challenge you. You've been, have you been distracted from what God has called you to do. Whatever it is, push it aside. Do the Wendell Sailor. Run straight. Don't be distracted by anything because you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. God bless you.